if I'm courageous enough to walk toward those things and be in relationship with them, then it's my choice. And it is a personal responsibility and discipline to say, Rose, you freaking rock. Good job. Rose Bloomfield is a Hollywood Silicon Valley hybrid. She's a producer, dancer, anthropologist, podcast host, that speaker coach, and it's been a delight to have her. Our conversation is all about failure in our pursuit of life purpose or the path that life purpose is all about. We're touching on everything from the values driving decisions of tech giants in Silicon Valley all the way to love in Paris and leadership in Europe. Enjoy. So the first question that I would like you to start with is the whole power of discovering one's voice and pursuing our heart's calling. You are very open about you having been brought up as a girl who's a hybrid of Hollywood culture and Silicon Valley. And we are going to go into the art of self-expression and hacking modern technologies that you're so beautifully marrying together in your creations. But I was wondering how did your life story unfold? Um, how did it actually you know, happen, you going up and down and going through all those crashes almost, feeling like you've had it all figured out and then losing it again? Uh, so maybe would you mind really upfront sharing about the, the more complicated elements of discovering your own journey, because that's typically what we hear less of. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I grew up in Los Angeles and I knew at 13 years old at school here that if I wanted to go to college, I would need a college fund. And my parents didn't have said hundreds of thousands of dollars for me to go to college. So at 13, I got a commercial agent and I started working in television and um, performing to start earning money. And this was, this was a success. I got a great agent. I, I really had a pretty good batting ratio for getting the auditions I'd go out for. Um, I had this very strong feeling of like, okay, I was getting validated. I'm talented. I can do this. So I kept going by 16. I landed my first big job with Disney and I was a teen host for an interstitial show on the Disney channel. And when I was young, I, I found this incredible because I actually loved the show that I got to be a part of, which was called at this time back in 2003 movie surfers. So we would go behind the scenes of the latest Disney movies. So I would be going to school with my classmates and then I'd leave uh, before school was over and I'd go to the set out in Burbank and I would get wardrobe and fitting and then I would fly to London to interview Nicolas Cage or Anne Hathaway. I'd be on the set with Julie Andrews. My, and, and then I'd come back to school and people would see me from the Juicy Fruit commercial or uh, the latest little episode on the Disney Channel. And it was a strange experience um, to have as a young person, this, this kind of outward external success. I enjoyed it, but I was also a little uncomfortable with it. And it started to identify me. And I, I started without knowing it, getting this idea that things were pretty easy, that this was gonna be pretty easy in terms of work and uh, knowing what I did. And then I got 
cast in a documentary series called Black White. And this, this got filmed in the summer when I was 17 years old, right before I went to college. Black White was um, a social experiment that my family, a white family and a black family from Atlanta, Georgia had our races changed. And um, we had Emmy award winning makeup that was applied to our skin. My, I, I had five hours of makeup in the chair and they would dye my hair to be gray around the sides. I mean, this was a deep process for six weeks of transforming identity and experiencing what it's like to be in someone else's skin. This catapulted me into um, a press circuit with being on the Oprah Winfrey show, Good Morning America, traveling around the country to answer questions of these, again, really big personalities on the public stage in the United States. And it was more validation. Okay, this, there's something important here. I have something to offer. My voice was getting used as, at an early age. And then I was gonna go to college. And I realized once I got, I finished that show in the summer of 2005 and I had just graduated and I was thinking, you know, people have been telling me, wow, you've just got a path. I mean, you are just get ready. Like you're, you're about to take off. And I get to college and I feel crazy. I feel lost. I'm supposed to start making decisions about who I am on the inside and what I love. And luckily I knew I liked writing. So I had chosen, okay, I'm gonna be an English major. I'm gonna think about writing now. And, and yet I had just completed so much. My focus had been so deep into finishing up these very public outward facing projects. My skin had changed from the makeup process. I had acne, I was feeling insecure. I was in a long distance relationship with my high school boyfriend who was in New York. So my heart was hurting. And suddenly I was supposed to feel, you know, ready to explore myself and enjoy college. And instead I had a full blown anxiety attack crash and completely lost touch with what mattered to me. So this was like, this was the number one big personal fail because within three months of being at college, I decided I needed to leave. And I ended up taking a leave of absence from University of California, Santa Cruz, where I was starting to study. And I came back home and lived at home, feeling like, how could this have possibly happened, right? Like here I was, I was yeah. Yeah, and so we've met in the context of conversation about failure, and we will be mentioning this word again and again, and this is the first time that you've dropped the F-bomb. What about it? Did, it? did it feel as a fail? Who did you fail, or whose expect whose expectations did you fail on? I think it's the one of the biggest um, layers to start peeling off when we're discussing the concept of failure, because it's very important that we understand if it's really our own expectations or dreams, or if it's a societal formatting. And so, you having been through that alter ego identity exchange experience, I wonder who did you feel like you were failing or what, what dream was it? It's such an important question. <clears throat> um, I think the reason it was so violent, the, the experience I had inside of myself, which maybe, you know, some people didn't really understand is because I felt like I was failing everyone, including myself. But the, the reason being is 
I had an idea, I had an expectation that things were going to continue the way they were going, that the, and that the external praise was the identifier of success. Plus I enjoyed what I was doing. I like performing. That was, that was successful. That, that was true. That was a real use of my voice and like what I came here on the planet to do. So that felt truly successful. The part that felt like failure was that failure to launch that I thought I knew who I was more than I did. Because when I finally got to college and I could make decisions for myself, I realized how unequipped I felt to actually navigate. So yes, there were my own expectations, but then I also, you know, of course, for anyone who has left college, it's having that confrontation with peers who come back from school, who are talking about that are, their experience and all of the social praise that is heaped on top of the success of these people who are continuing in what I was calling the social conveyor belt. If you keep going in the path that's been pre-designed, there is a momentum to that. And, and our, you know, it's natural. I studied anthropology in the end, and maybe we'll touch on that. But in social human culture and, and tribes, we need to format to our environment to feel safe in some way, which is also why in Buddhism, they say environment is more powerful than will. So choosing the place we're in is paramount that there's an agreement between the environment and who we are. Otherwise, we're going to continue to fight. And so I wonder, it makes me immediately think of that hero's journey calling. This moment of having had the anxiety attacks and not feeling like, feeling that mismatch between where you thought it was going to go and where you actually went. It feels like it's those moments of transform or opportunity for transformation which many people go through, but obviously few are brave enough to listen and follow. And you've had a series of those. Uh, maybe you're gonna share also your story about how you followed love to Paris. And, and there's gonna be, you know, on your journey, there's been the ups and downs where you were conscious enough to take those choices accordingly. And so I wonder whether with the benefit of hindsight, whether you look at it as actually as gifts on your journey, would there, how would it have felt if you, you know, if you just pushed through the, the fears and, and continue the journey that you were supposed to be on? Wow. Oh, I, I got chills as you mentioned the hero's journey and that, that call to the initiation. I remember sitting um, on the campus in Santa Cruz. It's a gorgeous campus. It's very green. It overlooks the, the sweeping Pacific Ocean. There are tons of pine trees. I remember staring out. I had been crying. And really thinking to myself, why can't I do this? Should I do this? Like really, what is the call? Sometimes really leaning into the fear is sticking with the choice. Sometimes that's, that's really what life is asking and like the higher self would most expand. And, and, I, and I will say, before I finish that, you know, this path or that path, a lot of my growth since I was 17 years old, 18 years old, has been learning that this binary, this or that, right or left, college or leave, this job or that job, entrepreneur or employee, like all of these binary choices that I think are between A and B, 
there's really C that's calling me forward. There's really some combination of A and B or A and B was a distraction from F that I didn't even realize was right behind me. And, and there's a deeper listening. I've learned that the success for me, and this is a choice, is about stepping into the gray. Here I was, do I leave or do I go? What's my higher call here? And I decided to leave, but I went back. So I, I left, I came home and I gave myself time to go sit on the ocean in Santa Monica, where I'm from, stare off, swim with the dolphins, read books, sit at a cafe, feel lost, ask myself questions, ask other people questions. I asked so many questions and I realized that's what I love to do. I love to ask questions. So then through a series of events, I went to a community college in LA. I discovered my true curiosity. Let's call it curiosity because passion is sort of like, I discovered the one thing that's inside of me. Yay. I got the prize. And then I'm sort of like, I spend the rest of my life going, God, I'm freaking jealous that, you know, Cindy over here knows what her passion is. And David found his passion. What's my passion? Do you sometimes feel stressed about the pressure to discover your higher purpose? This is what we'll look into in the second part, how to enjoy the path and have an easy to grasp conversation about it. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I have multiple curiosities. And one of my favorite authors, Elizabeth Gilbert, who talks about this transformative process, maybe you're familiar, Eat, Pray, Love author. She says, don't beat yourself up with passion. Ask yourself what makes you curious and follow that. And I, I practiced that advice by taking classes that made me curious. And that's what landed me into anthropology, into dance. And I let that slowly over two years bring me back to Santa Cruz. And I ended up graduating with honors in anthropology having danced and studied French and really just was like, this is what I love. This is what lights me up. I think it's Sir Ken Robinson that says, don't ask what the world needs from you. Ask yourself like what lights you up because what the world needs is people who are alive and lit up. And it doesn't have to be some grudge of service, but really who am I and who I am is the gift to the world. So. You at, how do I come back? Basically, what would have happened had I stayed at Santa Cruz? Had I kept on that path? I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I do know that I have tried in other scenarios in my life to stick it out, to white knuckle it, to be like, okay, if this is a question of willpower, <clears throat> I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna muscle my way through And that's a little bit, you mentioned going to Paris for love. And there's a little bit of that in that story that ended up leading me to a different moment of crashing and, and transition. Yes. I would like to ask you about what is the universal wisdom around this? You have a beautiful podcast, Path and Purpose, in which you connect the worlds of community technology and Asian wisdom, looking at how we, maybe you can share whether it's how, how we discover the path towards purpose or is it the purposeful path that we're on and that's actually the, the point is being on the path or is there something to be discovered? I wonder 
building on your personal experience and having had those plenty of conversations on this subject with your guests, what is the common common thread? Um, what is the piece of wisdom that you would like to share with people who are frustrated about is, you know, the spiritual pressures to have your purpose and wherever you show up in the community, you're supposed to have your pitch about what you stand for in the world. And it can feel so overwhelming, especially when you're at the beginning of the journey. And it's almost like a mission statement that you have to, it can feel like you have to have it carved out for your lifetime. And I find it very liberating to arrive at a point of enjoying the journey of embracing some purpose at some stage of life and then simply reshaping it depending on how you grow and evolve into a different version of yourself. So what is your nugget on this subject? I love that. Um, what is my wisdom from these, these paths with purpose? Again, in Buddhism, drawing upon a form of ancient wisdom that is um, close to my family, They say, Thich Nhat Hanh particularly says, there is no happiness, there is no path to happiness. Happiness is the path. There is no path to purpose. Purpose is the path. And what is purpose? Right now, I'm following this woman named Tara Moore. I really like her. She's a female leadership coach. She actually wrote the book, Playing Big. Um, I'm taking one of her courses right now. My colleague, Marion Chapso told me about her and she talks about believing that we all have the same purpose in a way that our, our common purpose is bringing love and light to this planet, that we all have our own version of that. And that really, I can be fulfilling my purpose when I'm being kind to the cash register person at the market. I can be fulfilling my purpose when I'm sitting at the beach crying uh, because life is beautiful and confusing and I don't know what I want to do next. I can be fulfilling my purpose in the middle of exams while I'm stretching my mind and I'm doing my best to answer the questions that I find intriguing and challenging. I can be living my purpose sweeping the patio. It doesn't have to be now that I'm finally this idea of who I thought I was going to be. Now I'm living my purpose. There's not some purpose in the future. And that's, that's a continuous learning for me. And that means that today, I'm now 33, I have had over 10 probably different jobs in my life. I've worked in production. I've worked uh, with novelists. I've worked at a Silicon Valley rapid growth startup. I've worked as an employee at one of the world's leading presentation companies based in Paris. I've worked for little companies you've never heard of. I've, you know, I've waited tables at seven different restaurants. I've had many different types of jobs and identities, and I've always been living my purpose. And I wish I could have told my 17-year-old self that. Yeah, because I was freaking out that I was not fulfilling my potential. And I think that's an obsession here also in the United States is this idea of potential and kind of at an early age, especially I can't even imagine what it's like to be a young person right now where you have to know your personal brand like at 14 and then stay true to your brand. And don't you think about going off brand and like taking some selfie in some other environment that doesn't look like you. Oh my goodness, we are so adaptable. 
Um, so yes, what is the nugget of wisdom? In the third part of this series, Rose will share more about how one's life wisdom can be captured into a TED Talk and whether leaders should be more open about their life's failures. Curious? Subscribe not to miss it. Get to know what matters to you most. For me, that's creativity, relationships and community, spirituality, service, nature. And if I'm doing anything in connection with those core values, I am succeeding. And that can include really missing the mark on the results I thought I was going to be achieving and the target I set out to hit. I can be so proud of myself if I have leapt in the direction of sustainability, ethical transformation in companies, things I believe in, things that make me excited and scared. If I'm courageous enough to walk toward those things and be in relationship with them, then it's my choice. And it is a personal responsibility and discipline to say, Rose, you freaking rock. Good job. Like, I approve. Because out there, if I'm going to keep living the way I was as a child of if other people are applauding and other people are recognizing me, then I'm successful. Then it's very possible I'll be succeeding in something that's wrong for me. And I'll find out 40 years in the future, holy cow, here I am at the top of my field and I don't even care about it. Now, is that success? It isn't in my book. It doesn't mean that that person is now a failure if they end up in some position and then they realize, oh my God, this isn't me or this is what I care about. What would be a failure is if you do realize that. And this is my definition is if someone does realize this is not me and out of fear chooses to stay. So how did you enjoy it? I'm wondering, how is your journey of discovering your life purpose? And most of all, what would have been helpful when you were starting your inner work in discovering the values, the principles driving the work? And what do you think could be the principles that can help the others who are on this journey to show up from a much more comfortable, authentic and values-based leadership space? Let me know in the comments underneath the interview. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you're totally up to date whenever there's new episodes released. Thank you and see you next time.